Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking about Return of Condor Heroes 2006, episodes 16 through 18. Uh, in, this, or in this series of episodes, uh, Yangor ends up teaming up with a bunch of uh, mercenaries who are working for Mongolia, and he ventures with them into a place called Passionless Valley, where he discovers Zhao Longnu is about to be married to a man named Gong Soon, who is the master of the valley. And this all leads to uh, a, a, a big duel between Zhao Longnu, Yangor, and the, the master of the valley. And it results in Yangor being captured and then uh, poisoned with the passion flowers, which cause you to suffer excruciating pain anytime you think about the person you love. And he's poisoned with so many of them that he learns he only has 36 days to live. And by the end of the episode, uh, Yangor is still sort of imprisoned and about to be broken out by the daughter of the master of the valley, uh, Lu'a. And so I think those are all the major plot points. If I left anything out, Adam, feel free to jump in. Um, uh, aside from Zhao Batong showing up and doing his thing for a bit at the beginning, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, and, I would... uh, I'll go ahead. Oh, Sam, we do have the long period where uh, Xiaolong uh, pretends not to know, <laughs> no, to, to recognize uh, uh, Yang Gao for a while. Well, we should probably talk about those individually because they're pretty important. And I don't think the Zhu Batong stuff, you'll see how important that becomes. But <laughs> but basically, they do things very differently in in this version of the story than in the actual book. In the book, oh, yeah. if I recall, you don't actually know that Zhao Longnu is marrying this guy until they've gone there and they are getting ready for the wedding feast and they see her walk out. So I feel like the, oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the book was a lot more shocking in the way that it presents it. But everybody who's watching the show probably knows the story, so maybe it's not a big deal. Um, and you know. The other thing with shows, too, they like to keep the actors busy. It's like, you know, you got to gotta have how long new... She, she needs to work. She's got to be through something in these episodes. So it's... Uh, yeah, you know, the book, you could just set a character aside for a while much easier. Yeah, and, and but, it, is, uh, it is possible I'm remembering wrong, but that's my memory of it, is that you get this shocking reveal when they mm -hmm. go to the feast. But but Jubatong shows up because Zhao Longnu is... Uh, she, she gets injured near Passionless Valley and uh, and Gong Soon uh, basically kind of saves her, but you can sort of tell from the be very beginning, I think, that he's a bit of a creep. Is that is it obvious yeah, to you at this point? Yeah, he, he definitely comes out as a bit of a creep. I've got to say, I was surprised how full villain he went, you know, during these episodes. I was like, wow, I mean, I knew he'd be upset, but... Well, Wow, he's he's just just completely, completely a jerk. What, what I love about Gong Soon is over the course of the story, he goes from being like, kind of kind of strange but seeming relatively normal and almost a little bit kind to just expanding mm -hmm. into villainous territory to, to the point yeah. that it's like, oh my god, this guy is a horrible human being, and 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 they do yeah. it ever so slowly over the course of the of the story. So, I, I like the way that they. I don't know. I get. I, it's almost like it's 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 like they're slowly pulling back the curtain on this guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the fact too that is, you know, villainy is basically all driven by his passions too. Is even yeah. more so. It's like he's just the the hugest hypocrite in the world. <laughs> yeah, because that's his whole thing. Is that he does? You know, he's in the passionless valley where they were. Because his the whole the whole 
sales pitch he gives to Zhao Longnu is that he's trying to help her forget her love so that she doesn't suffer. And he's from Passionless Valley, where 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 they're the, where they're the masters of their emotions, where they don't they don't they don't give in to this kind of passion. They you know, and so uh, it, it's interesting that he's he's really he's just like you sort of learn as as the as the story progresses that he's just this this stormy sea of passion underneath this <laughs> this exterior of you know I'm just a calm reasonable vegetarian guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he, I get, yeah. he's the ultimate nice guy villain. That's sort of how that's exactly. Sort of, yeah. He is very much that, that that term entered my mind last <laughs> night watching this. And uh, and so Zhu Batong out of nowhere just kind of shows up and starts ransacking the place. He's like destroying weapon chambers. He's breaking into medicine rooms. He's he, I think I think there are three key rooms that he busts into and, and messes up. And they try to capture him, but he escapes. And then he ends up running away and connecting with Yangua at the Mongolian tent where he's being introduced to these, these mercenaries that are going to be working under Junlun. And yeah. we get, we get a very interesting array of, of mercenaries here who are kind <laughs> of like it's so, so there's this section in the novel, which we're sort of getting to, or we, I guess we've just a, arrived at where Yangua takes a dark turn and wants to get revenge against Guo Jing and Huang Rong for what he believes is, uh, them being responsible for for the death of his father and he 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 joins up with this posse of really really questionable people they're all i mean the the best one in the group is ma guangzu who in the book i think is a giant but in this one they make him like a, a little person but but he's the only one that's like at all likable and respectable in any way all the other guys are just really terrible even, people. even he's kind of obnoxious it's like he's yeah. likable but he's he's, he's <laughs> well he's very he's honest still kind of trouble yeah yeah See, the thing is i think in the book it he comes off a lot better because in this one they make him diminutive and they in the voice they give to him is sort of meant to be a little bit quirky and odd and so it, whenever he gets out and he shouts at somebody it has a much different effect than in the novel where he's kind of this this really robust figure who's doing that. Mm -hmm. So he just seems kind of more like a forthright type of character. But I noticed that they, they sort of swap. Some characters have really defining physical traits. And in a few key instances, it feels like they've reversed them um, to shake mm -hmm. things up or I don't know. So Ma Guangzhu, like uh, De Urba is another one. I think in the book, De Urba is a really skinny monk. And in this one, he's a really, really obese monk. I actually kind of think the obese De Urba works a little bit better. Um, huh. So... But yeah, so so, but these guys they kind of remind me if you've ever seen the very first Black Adder series when he when he join he he assembles the team of villains uh, and it goes yeah. horribly wrong because yeah. he's surrounded by <laughs> villains that just can't. It's kind of like that where they're all sort of and we'll see this as this goes on. They're all kind of they all want that like number one title as like Mongolia's champion or whatever. I forget what the actual title is, but they're they're all kind of. Uh, they're all chasing this title as they're working together. And so they end up thwarting each other along the way. And, yeah. and you really see it in Jin Loon's behavior over this episode where he's constantly sitting on the fence and, and, and he's not deciding yet if he's going to help or hurt Yangua until he knows what the outcome of the Passionless Valley situation is going to be. And, yeah. and clearly yeah. he wants to just ally with whoever wins. He's sort of, he's sort of really <laughs> hedging his bets. Um, but Jubatong uh ends up leading them on a chase that brings them to passionless valley and then when they get to passionless valley 
there's a whole thing where Zhubatong is uh, they're trying to capture him, and there's this he has a big fight with um uh what's his name Yi Wang I think the guy's name was the uh, the guy with yeah. the long beard who's the the eldest yeah. disciple and he fights with this really heavy staff and then Yangor has a duel with him uh but then when we get into the sort of the meat of the passionless valley stuff really what the heart of it is is the uh the sort of love triangle between Zhao Longnu Yangor and Gong Soon and the love triangle between Yango, Zhao Longnu and Lua because we, we I, I think it's pretty obvious you can tell me if I'm wrong that she's clearly in love with Yango by the end of these three episodes oh yeah um, yeah it, it was pretty it, it, they, they made it pretty clear almost immediately in, uh, in the series at least yeah, so she she falls in love with him, and then there's this whole thing that happens where Zhao Longnu is still trying to push Yango away for his own good, but she's being particularly cruel in how she's doing it here, where she doesn't mm-hmm. even recognize him. She pretends that she's a woman named Miss Lu, and so she even like assumes another surname. And when he he says Gugu, like you know, don't you recognize me? And she's like, No, I'm not your Gugu. And he's freaking out. And it and but what I love about this scene is. There's a moment where he's just having this conversation with her and he's completely disrupting Gong Soon's wedding arrangements and he's making a real mockery of the proceedings and people are trying to restrain him and he's just like, you know, this is between me and my Gugu. You, like he, he has like the outside yeah. world does not exist to him. It's only him and her. And uh, and eventually she comes around, but as a result, they have to fight Gong Soon and they end up losing the fight. And so that results in him being captured because Gong Soon has this number one, they both are suffering from the passion flower poison and they're not able to look at each other during their Jade Maiden sword play, which is an, it's like a crucial part of how they fight. And mm-hmm. so anytime she looks at him, she gets hurt. And, uh, and, and Gong Soon has this really elusive fighting style. I think they called it reverse Yang in the show. Um, and he fights with two blades basically. And it's very difficult to know where you know what his actual attacks are is i believe what the concept was behind it so um so yeah so what, what did you think of these episodes Ah, uh, it's it's good stuff i uh like i said i was i'm kind of like i said i was very surprised that you know how villainous gone soon turns out to be and the uh and how complicated this whole <laughs> particular situation be i wasn't sure what exactly was going to happen but uh I, I didn't didn't expect it to go this way. I'm uh, I'm really really enjoying the uh, you know the, the the you know Jin Loon and the various other retinue and their their involvement and everything. They're uh, I mean they they're they're not they're not crucial to the plot at this point, but they're just uh, interesting uh, audience to events to an extent. And uh, and I, I'm liking the development uh, with uh you know the uh, the daughter of uh of Gonsoon. It's uh she I, I you know it's like oh it's obvious she was falling in love with uh with Yang Guo right away, but it you know it's like I, I like so so far at least it's been in a very it's it's the opposite of her father. It's like yeah. her love is like I'm I'm gonna help you and support you because I care about you as opposed to, you know, ooh, you shouldn't be in love with this other person. So it's uh it's a it's it's a, it's a very nice contrast in, in in like genuine love as opposed to evil greedy love. Well, and 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 a lot of what she admires about him is his sincerity towards Zhao Longnu. So if he yeah. were 
to to sort of just you know say hey i like you better and 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 end up with her it would almost undercut the thing that she likes about him so but the True. thing the thing i find fascinating about about her character is how much she mirrors yangor they both come from really terrible parentage um her hmm. her parentage is considerably worse once we get deep into it i think in a lot of ways but but basically they both have a horrible father and they have this struggle and, and Yangler's struggle plays out over the course of the book, but hers we see over the course of these episodes, where she's trying to be a you know a, a, a loyal daughter uh, or a yeah. loyal son to her horrible father, and there's this conflict because despite being the product of this terrible person, they're both basically good people, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, so there's something number one I think just very interesting about the idea that you know you don't necessarily you know you could you could, you can have this person who's like a completely virtuous despite their environment despite you know uh their uh their their parentage and and also that um that i don't know that, that there's the, that there's this just this perfect pairing of the two of them um you know i, I find and i find her like just a fascinating character in the book she she's she's probably the character that gets the shortest end of the stick in terms of like how how uh how much you you want things to work out for her because she's such a nice person and there's not there's not there's there's a scarcity of characters like her Um, you know (laughs) there is well yeah i mean when when she first showed up i was like like oh no she's gonna be like some kind of like love triangle complication thing that's gonna make make things worse right before he you know he finds his goo goo i'm like oh this is this has got to be something bad. And it's like, oh, no, I, it, it completely took me by surprise in, in a nice way. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's good plot development. It's, uh, it's you know, uh, but yeah, I, I no, I, I, I'm really, I, I'm really involved in the way things are, are kind of rolling out at the moment. I mean, right now it's, it's a little hard to talk about because we're, 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 you know, at another cliffhanger now. It's like, what's going to happen now with uh, her helping him? Well, it was, you know, I, I believe the, the, the scene ended with him trying to get the antidote and then the antidote was missing. Yes. It's just the empty, empty chamber. No, uh, we, we do know that. And, 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 and I, I guarantee you it's going to get, there, there's some very interesting surprises in the next couple of episodes. So I, I think uh, <laughs> I'm very curious to get what your reaction will be on those. But yeah, I, sh- I should have mentioned we end with them trying to get the antidote. And, and also something really important happens after he's poisoned. Gong Soon tries to get Zhao Longnu to agree to marry him by threatening Yangor with, with poison from the passion flower saying he'll die in 36 days without an antidote yeah. and she at first tries to sort of go along with it just so she can get the antidote but he's like oh no 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 you have to consummate this marriage before uh before we'll, yeah i'll give you the antidote you know and and so she ends up throwing herself into the into the flower uh the, they basically throw all these thorns onto yangor and she throws herself into the thorns with yangor and uh and so they both end up poisoned and yeah and uh no, it's probably not the smartest thing because now if they, you know, if they want to get out of this, they need to get two antidotes. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's, but I, yeah, I, I don't know that it was a carefully planned, but, uh, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the point where, where, where Gong Soon really goes over the top with his villainy. It's like, he's not even. There's just there's just no way you can interpret anything he's doing in a in a 
honorable way at all at that point. It's just, just like, yeah, you're just... <laughs> all I'm going to say is just wait. <laughs> just, just wait. I don't know if they perfectly match the books, but I think they get pretty close. And uh-huh. He's one of the most spectacular characters in the in the story um the, yeah uh, well, he is a really good character i gotta say the actor playing him and everything it's he he, he is making a fantastic villain at the he, moment he walks that line perfectly because he can when you first meet him you can kind of believe him as this sort of nice vegetarian guy but then just a slight yeah. change of lighting and you buy him <laughs> as a villain and I, I i love how so so one thing i did want to talk about is a lot of the music that's in this uh, in this show is taken from other soundtracks, and two of the soundtracks that we hear a lot of these episodes is number one, the Transformers soundtrack. That sort of oh, um, okay. that very that's soaring, that. you know, the one. Yeah, where... yeah, I, I knew I knew that was something. Yeah. I was like, uh, and but uh, in place it. But but what I was wondering is because because I was thinking about it, I was like you know the context is so different. That it, <laughs> a little bit yeah that that it has a completely different it lands differently than it does in the transformers you know like like it's yeah. it's really different now because transformers is almost more like science fiction and this is more like you know a historical you know wuxia piece so you get i don't know i just feel like it really it really works they do a very good job of selecting the music but you have to yeah. dissociate it from its original uh its original source if you're familiar yeah. with it. Um, yeah, see, I've never actually seen those movies. I mean, I, I've heard that music before, okay. but I, uh, I I didn't know where it came from. I mean, but, uh, I'll let you form your own conclusions. I enjoyed the first Transformers movie, and after that I had very little enjoyment. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I don't know. I... Uh... I, 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 I'm just, just just a little bit too old to be too much into the Transformers. I mean, right about a year. Well, see, for me, I was like exactly in the zone they were going for because they, I grew up on the Transformers cartoon. And uh-huh. the thing I remember about watching that in the theater is you get in there and you realize, oh, my God, this is the same guy that did the Optimus Prime's voice in the original cartoon. And it was, it was like the first wave of nostalgia movies. So it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like we were accustomed to that kind of treatment at the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but, but, but either way, there's a huge transition getting it from that context into this one. <laughs> the other music though, that they selected was the 1992 Dracula soundtrack. And you, you hear traces of it and we'll hear more of it as this goes yeah. on. And that yeah. I think, the context fits perfectly like this guy yeah is, it does like, it does like he definitely has like a dracula vibe the way that they're presenting him in this uh you know even though he's a vegetarian you know it's almost like an inverse dracula um yeah so. but i guess i guess to, to, to bring a, a gaming a role-playing game context to this too it's like there's a there's a hobby where you're often playing music in the background to go with things you know and it's like you're, you're borrowing music so it's like you've got to you've got to walk that line it's like you don't want to put on something that's too recognizable everyone thinks of this movie rather than you know it's so it's it, I don't know it's just something I can relate to having to uh, work entirely from pre-existing music. Well, I I used to play the Dracula soundtrack in all of my Ravenloft games to the point that I have a feeling anybody who played in my campaigns when they hear those blaring horns, <laughs> they're just like you know like please make it stop. Um, so uh, 
but yeah, so I don't know. I thought the music choices was interesting. I thought I thought that the the whole Jubatong thing was was nice. Now this was the first time we saw him in this in this series, right? This was the first time that he came yeah. on screen. And you yeah. had mentioned that you recognized him instantly, even though it's not instantly. The same. Yeah, just from the the Brave Archer movies. Even though it's a different actor, I'm just like, oh, there's Subatong. <laughs> I was just no 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 question in my mind who it was. And, and it's something I like about this series is it ha- like they do a really good job over time of really getting down. This is how the character is portrayed, and this is this is like the costuming. This is the 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 demeanor. This is the acting, yeah. and. And, and you can sort of see it kind of like if you watch like the original performances and then see it get built up on. And so as soon as Limocho walks on the screen, you know who it is. As soon as Zhubatong, you know, utters a word, you know exactly who it is. Um, but yeah, also... As soon as, Master, as soon as Master Huang showed up, I like knew who that was. And it's just ever, all these classic characters come back and you just, yep, that's the person. It's like, <laughs> and I think, I think the example you gave when we were talking before was Santa Claus. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know it's Santa Claus no matter who's in the outfit. And it, it's, it's that kind of a thing. And I, I, I just find it interesting because even though this is new to, new to, new to, uh, new to you, it's, yeah. it's, it's you, you immediately got who it was. It wasn't, you know, just from seeing Brave Archer that one time. Um, yeah, these characters... They, they, they do have iconic power that you don't need to grow up for them to achieve yeah. that that level. They uh, they just work like that. And I think so. I think to a degree, a lot of it is kind of deeply rooted stuff. Like something about Jubatong feels right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It feels <laughs> like okay, I've known somebody like Jubatong, or it's like a it's just something that that we all kind of can relate to instantaneously and. And I think it's the same with all the other characters. He really just doesn't, even though they're all really unique. Like one of his goals when he was writing his books, he said, was he never want he wanted to always make a character that had never been done before. And uh-huh. he didn't know if he succeeded, but that was always his goal. And so I think even despite that being his goal, there's something very familiar about all of them. Yeah, well, Jupiter's interest. I mean, I'd say what makes him unique is, I mean, he is so childlike and frivolous, but he's just got such a seriousness about his martial arts at the same time. So it's there's just this this innate contradiction to him that makes him a fascinating character. It's like, there's just, there's just one thing he's serious about. (laughs) And and it feels like all of the character elements of like all of their personality traits, they all complement the center somehow. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like, because Wuxia is filled with eccentric characters and there are lots of ways people do it. You know, sometimes it's just like almost like a random collection of eccentric traits. But with these characters, they're, they're a collection of eccentric traits, but they all, form a very complete picture i find um, yeah so everything about jubatong feels consistent even if it's like even if there is like that sort of weird contrast between you know these poles that exist in him um yeah i i, I don't know just having him show up in this too it's like him you know yangao watching him doing his things it's like it's like it's just perfectly understandable yangao i mean he's not he's you know, he's frustrated with him at times having to figure out about the bells, but he just really, really enjoys watching his Alpatong. It's yeah. like they both have that rebellious streak. It's like this one thing they have in common there. It's like he, he just he just admires him on some level there. And, and that that worked for me. So it's, it's like I like I like seeing these old characters come back and seeing how the new characters react to them. I feel that yeah. that's that's working very well. I, no, I think that's one of the things that, that this story does really wonderfully. And I like the mm-hmm. scene where Zhu Batong is 
captured and brought before uh, Gong Soon, and he accuses Zhu Batong of stealing a variety of objects. And Zhu Batong is outraged by the claim, even though we know Zhu Batong stole all this stuff. And, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he strips down, in the book he strips down completely naked. In this one they, they leave on his pants, but he goes yeah. around showing everybody like his, his private yeah. and he yeah. and he's saying i'm you know but 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 the interesting thing about this scene is jubatong's like the thing that is really motivating him throughout all these scenes is he is he is furious that this old decrepit man is marrying this young woman and he he yeah. just senses there's something really there's something really wrong about this arrangement and and so when he strips down he's saying look i might be naked but i'm as pure as the day i was born unlike you you dirty old man and so he, <laughs> and i just i just love that he's using this like really profane gesture to 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 slap gong soon in that way um, i know i know it's uh that yeah I, that that scene that just that whole scene was fantastic i mean from uh from the lead up of him, you know, being in disguise at first and the reveal and everything and then the whole the whole beard fight it's uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a lot of we're glossing over so much the fighting in this is, is you know there's a fight with uh yu wang where they uh uh yang Guo is trying to cut off a bit of his beard that's sort of like the stakes that they set for for the fight and uh and i love the exchange where i think i think the fight starts out with zhu batong and yu wang and then it progresses and it becomes yang Guo against yu wang but but it's always about yu wang's beard and 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 he and he says you know there's this great line where he says like oh well my beard is a little bit long i guess i do need a trim you know <laughs> it's, it's just the, this, these great exchanges of dialogue um and yeah so uh and then you know we, we obviously get uh you know we end up in a as we said at a cliffhanger situation and yeah and it's uh you know we'll we'll see what happens happens next time one thing i did want to comment on which we touched on is uh is jin loon's fence sitting um, I, I think it's becoming mm. pretty apparent what he's doing here. I don't know how clear it is at this stage on your end, but yeah, they kind of, they even, they even stated at one point, I forget who he was talking to, but someone's like, Oh, I see you're just waiting to see what happens and you're going to jump in, you know, after it all resolves. I, I forget who the conversation was, was with, well, but, uh, it, it was explicitly stated at one point in the show. Yeah. Because during that period where Zhao Long knew wasn't recognizing Yangua, uh, Yangua says he's I think he says something to Jin Lun like hey you've seen her you know that it's her don't you yeah, yeah. and he's like well I don't know it's so hard to tell from the distance and he just like really kind of you know doesn't involve himself and, uh, and all it would have taken was him saying yeah that's her and it would have tilted the whole everybody <laughs> would have kind of gone to Yangua's side so I I think that uh that it's interesting that Jin Loon is using this tactic, but it's also interesting to me that he's really shooting himself in the foot with this tactic because the, yeah. he could really win over Yang Guo. I mean, like, they're yeah. both united in trying to kill Guo Jing. Uh, it's obvious that Yang, that aside from that, the only other thing Yang Guo values is Zhao Long Nu. And so uh, obviously Jin Loon is concerned about them teaming up and becoming a threat to him. But at the same time, if he wants to get on Yang Guo's good side, that's the way to do it, you know, just, you know. Yeah, well, he cares more about Zhao Ling Nu than he does about the revenge mm -hmm. against, you know, the re avenging his father. It's like he, you know, as soon as as soon as the bells show up, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going off and dealing with yeah. this. I'm, you know, it's like, forget that. So it's like he's basically, you know, uh, 
messing with Yangao on the on the thing he really cares about, you know, when the other thing is he does care about that. I'm not saying he doesn't, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it it definitely is going to hurt his relationship with Yangao. Well, I believe so. But we'll see what happens. What What did you think about Passionless Valley as a setting? Because this is like a real location that you know. Oh, like... they. Yeah, I mean the the, the the set design and or whatever they're doing there. It's a it's a really really nice, evocative location. Definitely, I, I think they've done a great job with that. It feels it does feel like they've gone to this very exotic, hidden location. You know, so it's yeah, which I think they're doing a great job with that. Yeah, one thing I like. There's two things that really stand out in the way the show does it for me. Number one, and this is in the book, is the passion flowers, which are. You know, they, yeah. they sort of, you know, they they have a number of features. So number one, the thorns on them, if you get pricked by them, they, uh, they, um, they, they cause you to suffer excruciating pain when you think of your, the person you love, but the flowers themselves, when they eat the petals, I think they, they're, they're sweet and then they turn bitter and it's sort of like a, a metaphor for love. Um, yeah. and so I, I don't know, I, 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 I like, I, I like that this, this valley is sort of defined by the foliage in that way. And, um. And also the the look of the sect, they're they all dress in green and they use nets and they have this very sort of nature, uh, sort of out out in the woods type vibe. You could you could almost mistake them for Robin Hood's merry men. They have that kind of uh -huh. a, kind of a look. Do you know what I mean? And and I, I think it really works because it's so distinct from everything else. There's not really many organizations that we've seen so far that look like this. And the nets are a very unusual weapon too. So. Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of uh, it it, it kind of has a nice symbolic value because Gonsun is so such he's such a subtly controlling person. Mm -hmm. So it's like having nets be the thing his followers all use. It's just like yeah, that's 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 what he just he just wants to wants to control everyone around him in every way down to their emotions <laughs> well and what i like about it is passionless valley's whole thing is they're about they're vegetarians they don't believe in like shedding blood and it's largely related to their kung fu but they're that you know so like he even even when he was being villainous early on he was sort of reluctant to shed blood on his wedding day you know he's he was yeah uh, uh he was at least making a show of it and the net kind of is that same thing where looked in a certain light it seems to represent the uh, the merciful side of the couple. But then when you look at it, like you said, through that other light of, no, this is really about his controlling nature. And it's, it's, it's like the perfect weapon for, for Gong. Not that he uses the net himself, his followers do, but it's a perfect, yeah. it's a perfect uh, sort of symbol of who, of who he is. Um, you know, he sort of, he first presents himself as this, this merciful force. And then you realize that, no, he's, he's not. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really like the passionless Valley stuff and we get an interesting bit where one of the justifications he uses to try to control Zhao Longnu is he tells her that they have a faded relationship. He, he talks about, and I think this is his con. I don't, I don't know because we're going by subtitles, but I think they're talking about Yuan Fen here. Which is this idea of these 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 entanglements between different people that can occur over many lifetimes? And he's saying we have fate, we have this uh, you know this connection, and so uh, you know, and he, and he draws on a lot of excuses, you know, he, he, and and they get thinner and thinner every the more things go on, and, and until he's sort of forced to use just you know you know blunt force. He, 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 uh, um, yeah. 
but it starts out with manipulation. He, you know, he, he begins with soft power and then he progresses to hard power over the course of the show. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it, it's interesting development. But yeah, I, I mean, there's there's just a lot in play at the moment, and I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, I I'm still very involved in the show. Once again, it's like the last few times we've watched it, it's like I get to the last episode and I'm like, man, I it's <laughs> it's just does these cliffhangers. Well, they're doing a great job with them. We we are we are in for some treats in the coming episodes. I will say that excellent. Very- there, there's some good things coming down the road so um so yeah so we've we're, you know i think we've covered everything i don't think there's there's a whole lot more for us to go over um and uh uh we'll be back on with another episode of um of the return of condor heroes podcast this friday we're going to be doing painted skin the resurrection on wusha weekend and if anybody wants to they can they can go to our patreon page and they can they can make a pledge we have a bunch of different reward levels and some of the reward levels will let you do things like vote on movie selection at certain times of the month or vote on themes uh and and do things like suggest movies that we add to our backlist so you feel free to check out our patreon and also we'll have another episode of wusha workshop in the game lab up hopefully in the near future so until then we will talk to you later 